Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, please send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, our listener support campaign continues, and you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. During the listener support campaign, in addition to the access to our premium site, which we send along with all donations of $7 or more, at, uh, for all donations of $20 or more, we will send you a copy of one of my ebooks. You have four choices. All I needed to know I learned from Columbo, Tales of the Dim Night, Fly Another Day, or Powerhouse Hard Press, plus one other gift. And one option we do have is the Hillary Kane Mysteries. I listened to these a, a year ago, and I just enjoyed them immensely. They're great uh, detective comedies set in the 1930s. They were produced uh, in the uh, 21st century by Jim French Productions, but they did a great job on it, and uh, they're just wonderful, uh, light mysteries, and we'll send you the complete set uh, set uh, one of Hillary Kane uh, at your request for all donations of $75 or more. All right, well, now it's time for us to take a listen to today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Here now is the Crystal Lake Matter Part 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Ansel Garrett, Johnny. I'm calling from a gas station up near the three-mile grade, ten miles north of the lake. Trouble? Plenty. Johnny, seems like when you go looking for people, it always turns out to be bad luck for them. What do you mean? You came up here to Crystal Lake looking for Edward Russell. He turned up dead. Now you've been looking for Hiram, the taxi driver. Don't tell me. Afraid so. We just fished his body out of a ravine. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Ellis Truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Amalgamated Life Associates Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is a final accounting of expenses and report of my investigation of the Crystal Lake matter. (laughs) Item 9, $1. Tip to the garage man to get my car out in a hurry. I drove up to the three-mile grade. Deputy Sheriff Ansel Garrett was waiting for me beside the highway and led the way down the ravine. Watch the foot, Johnny. It's pretty tricky. Yeah. Who discovered Hiram's body? One of my boys patrolling the highway. He spotted a glint of metal down here in the moonlight. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Oh, brother. Taxi cab and all, huh? 
What a wreck. Yeah. He crashed the guardrail and came down the slope. I doubt if it was an accident, Ance. When a guy's got a bullet hole in his forehead, it's no accident, Johnny. Looks like the same person who killed Russell killed Hiram to shut his mouth. I guess that's about the size of it. Hiram's murder opens up another keg of nails, Ants. How so? Well, Betty's story is that the last she saw of Russell the night he was murdered was when he drove away in Hiram's taxi. But that story depended on Hiram for confirmation. You'll never be able to confirm it now. Well, earlier tonight you were beat because you were fresh out of suspects, Johnny. Now you got a real live one again. Maybe. But trying to find a motive to fit Betty Norton as a blind alley. The only one who could benefit financially from Russell's death is his wife, Leona. And she was in Denver at the time. I still think Russell's murder ties in with the fact that he came up here looking for somebody named Bill. And apparently had it in for him. Could be. Trouble is, Johnny, we got too many guys by that name at Crystal Lake. Bill Cullen, the hotel bartender. Bill Jensen at the boathouse. Both of them are still possibilities, Ants. The bartender had a fight with Russell on the night of the murder. And it was one of Bill Jensen's padlocks on the cabin where the body was found. Yeah, that's true enough. Whoever killed Russell and hid his body in Bixby's vacant cabin didn't know that Bixby was planning on selling the place and would bring somebody up to show it and discover the body. Sounds real convincing, Johnny. Now, all you have to do is figure out somebody's name for the whoever and a good motive, and you're all set. Oh, yeah, sure. Real simple. You know, one thing that's been bothering me from the start, though. Why did the killer plant Russell's body in a cabin? With all the wide-open spaces around here, why a cabin? Yeah, you could have figured dogs or animals would uncover the body if it was outside somewhere. How about the lake? Bodies have a way of coming to the surface. Yeah, I guess you're right. If we could only have gotten to Hiram before this... You happen to know where he lived? No, a little rooming house not far from the hotel. You through here? No, not yet, Johnny. I got a couple of my boys beating the bush around here. Okay, I'll head back to town and see if I can turn up anything of interest at Hiram's rooming house. On the way back to the village, I stopped at Betty Norton's Lakeshore Mansion, but she wasn't at home. Her housekeeper told me she'd gone to Denver for a couple of days. On hearing that, my interest in her as a suspect shot up again. Expense account item 10, $1.45, long-distance call to the Denver police, requesting them to try to locate Betty Norton for further questioning. Then I went to the rooming house where Hiram had lived. I couldn't find anything in his room that would give me a lead on his killer. But as I was coming out, I found someone in the hall who might. Huh? Well, Bill the bartender. Oh, hello, darling. What are you doing here? It's real simple. I live here. Oh, same rooming house as Hiram, huh? That's right. Now, look, don't go trying to tie me into his murder. We was friends. I didn't know the news of his killing was out. How did you know he was dead, Bill? Well, I, I, I just talked to one of Vance Garrett's boys at the hotel. He told me. Oh, I see. No, he, you don't see, Dolly. You still fight. Look, God. whoever killed Hiram is the same one who killed Russell. You had a fight with Russell on the night of his death. Yeah, well, I explained that to you before. He was looking for somebody named Bill. He thought I was the one, got tough about it. But that's all there was to it. I didn't kill him. I didn't kill Hiram. You'll never prove it I did. Yeah, going round and round on the merry-go-round. Somewhere along the line, I must have missed something. But I didn't know what. I decided to go back and start from the beginning. In this case, Bixby's cabin, where Russell's body was discovered. I found Bixby in the hotel bar. Hi, Dollar. Care for a drink? No, no thanks, Bixby. Well, I got a little good news earlier this evening. Sheriff Garrett told me he was through chucking over my cabin so I can get it cleaned up and repainted now. You gonna advertise it again? Yeah, yeah, I'm not 
not too optimistic about my chances of selling it, though. Even though the location of it's been kept out of the papers, everybody at Crystal Lake here knows about it. Uh, you never found out who put that new padlock on the door, huh? Oh, the lock came from Jensen's boathouse. But we haven't been able to tie in Bill Jensen with any of the rest of it. Look, Bixby, you mind if I take another look around your cabin? Not at all, Dolly. You want me to go with you? No, that won't be necessary. Okay. Here's the key. Help yourself. It was my last chance. Maybe there was something in the cabin that neither Ansel Garrett nor I had noticed before. Something, anything that would give me a lead. I spent an hour going through it inch by inch, and I drew a great big blank. Everything was in place. Nothing had been touched. Even my cigarette butt on the front porch and Bixby's cigar wrapper twisted in a knot where we'd sat and talked after he'd reenacted the discovery of Russell's body. Inside, only marks on the floor where Ansel Garrett's boys had measured the distance of the body from the door, stuff like that. But as far as anything that would give me a fresh lead, there was nothing. Nothing at all. I was licked and I knew it. Oh, Mr. Dollar. Good evening, Mrs. Russell. I just dropped in to say goodbye. Well, that was very thoughtful of you. Please come in. Thanks. When are you leaving? I'm checking out in the morning. What are your plans? I'm not sure, Mr. Dollar. I'll probably get rid of the house in Denver and take an apartment for a while. After that, I, I don't know. Have you filed your claim yet on your husband's insurance policy? No, not yet. My lawyer will take care of it for me. I'd rather not have any more to do with things like that personally than I can help. Mr. Dollar, have you gotten anywhere with your investigation? Have you found anyone at all who could have had a reason to kill my husband? To tell you the truth, Mrs. Russell, up to now I've got no... Then I saw it. Something in Leona Russell's room. Just a little thing. But all of a sudden, the whole deal slid neatly into place. But I had to be sure. Somehow, I had to start the ball rolling and see what happened. You were saying, Mr. Dollar? Oh, yeah. I, I was saying that up to now, I haven't been able to get any... Uh, what time is it? Well, um, well, a quarter to ten. Oh, i got to make a phone call. Mind if I use your phone? Well, uh, no, not at all. I was supposed to call Deputy Sheriff Garrett to check on a new lead. And uh, if it's panned out, looks like we're in. Deputy Sheriff Garrett. Johnny Dollar, Ants. Uh, how's that new lead look? Huh? What new lead? Yeah, good. Hey, what are you... Oh, maybe putting on an act for somebody, Johnny? That's right. Well, looks like we're on the right track at last. Uh, you can't beat a lab test. Thanks, Ants. Something... You has developed, Mr. Dollar? Yeah. Looks like we're finally closing in on the right man, Mrs. Russell. I gotta run now. Got a date with the sheriff. But I'll keep you posted. I went outside her hotel cottage and waited. I could hear her on the phone. In a moment, she came out. Started along the trail near the lakeshore. I followed. I was sure I was finally getting close to Russell's killer. But then a gun barrel on my back told me I'd gotten a little too close. Hold it, Dollar. Well, Mr. Bixby. Surprise? As a matter of fact, no. Bill? Is that you, Bill? Dollar. Hello, Leona. Leona, you stupid little... 
falling for a gag like Dollar just pulled on you. But I had to talk to you, to warn you. Looks like you're a little stupid, too, Bixby. Huh? I just spotted one of them in Leona's cottage. I told you I should never have come to your cottage, Leona. You insisted. I had to see... That's what threw me about you, Bixby. Clarence Bixby, but a middle name of William, huh? Wilford, if it'll do you any good now. It was you and Leona right from the start. Her husband found out about it, but all he had to go on was the name Bill. Somehow he got a lead that brought him up here to Crystal Lake. Of course, I arranged for him to get the lead. Yeah, you wanted to be easy to find. You had Hiram, the taxi driver, decoy Russell to you, then killed Hiram to shut his mouth. Bill, get rid of him. Then you killed Russell in your own cabin and left his body. I had to. The people in the next cabin moved in that night. I was afraid they'd see me if I moved the body. So you played it smart. You stole a padlock from Bill Jensen to throw suspicion on him. Then you advertised your cabin and discovered the body when a prospect wanted to see the place. A pretty neat cover, Bixby. You had a lot of nerve. I still have, Dolly. Enough to do what has to be done now. And sweet little Leona Russell, the poor grieving wife. In it with you, right from the start. Hurry up and do it, Bill. Then you and I can get... Oh, no, that's where you're wrong, Leona. It's not going to be you and I anymore. Bill, you can't say that. You engineered the whole deal right from the start, and I'm sick of it. I'm getting out. You can't get out, Bill. You hear me? You can't. You're in this as deep as I am, and you... Oh, yes. I can get out all right, Leona. I know one good way. Oh, yes, I've used it before, and it works. Here's for you, baby. Bill, no! Bill! He swung the gun toward her. I drove at him, but too late. Oh, Bill! I hit him twice in the face and went down. I bent over Leona, but she was gone. She must have been dead when she hit the ground. Eleventh and final item on expense account, $145.20. Transportation and incidentals from Crystal Lake home. Total expenses, $423 even. Remarks about Bixby. In jail, awaiting trial on three counts of murder. Edward Russell, Hiram, Leona Russell. About Leona, who'd engineered the whole deal for a payoff. Well, she got paid off, all right. End of remarks, end of report. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, beginning on Friday night, because I'm sure you'll want to listen to the Republican convention Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, a simple string of beads, and each bead on it, a motive for murder. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Robert Reif, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Dick Crenna, Charlotte Lawrence, Gene Tatum, Howard McNear, Forrest Lewis, and Herb Ellis. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Remember, next week's story will start on Friday night because of the Republican convention on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So join us Friday, a week from tonight, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
welcome back. Well, a solid ending to this story. Though we had a few hints along the way that it was at, l- at least uh, in terms of the uh, Mr. Bixby being uh, one of the killers. The big thing was, I think it was part two or part three, where they really called uh, attention to the Nazi tied with the cigar wrappers. Kind of out of nowhere, it just bugged Johnny. And we don't get a ton of physical details, and usually when we do, it uh, is something that matters. And of course, the point at the series in which he visited Mrs. Russell also uh, really uh, gave a clue. Because at that point, without a murderer, you kind of sense that uh, the next person uh, Johnny visits is probably uh, going to be in on it. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have this from Mary regarding episode 1129, uh, The uh, Indestructible Mike Matter Part 5. And she said, you ca- Hi, Adam. I was going to wait till I caught up to all episodes, but figure I'll do it now. Love the show. I put a number of podcasts on hold as I catch up to great detectives of old-time radio. Just finished episode 1129 of Johnny Dollar, loving the series, and had a few comments. You commented that you didn't like how Johnny didn't have the police coming. I think there's a reason. Cosgrove mentioned he had cased the joint. If he had seen a number of cops, he would have known it was a sting and wouldn't have come in. As to how Randy showed up quickly in part four when Johnny was hit, right before he passed out, he heard the voice of the room clerk. Only later was Randy there. The room clerk probably was the one to chase off the bad guys and call the police. I'm guessing in part five, Randy was there, probably in plain clothes, figuring Johnny would get in trouble again. In my humble opinion, these aren't very big plot holes compared to other episodes. Probably the best uh, Jack uh, Johnstone written one I've heard, I've yet heard. Well, Mary, thanks so much for the comment. Um, I guess in regards to um, not being afraid that he would scare off Cosgrove, I, I guess I could say fair enough on that. Uh, it doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense, you know, when you think about it in detail, but it, it does happen. It does seem, of course, that you could always have a plain clothesman or two, somebody undercover who was a police officer and have some uh, intelligence in how the police would stake, uh, would stake things out. But as to Randy appearing, the problem is, in that particular episode, Johnny called Randy at the police headquarters. So Randy couldn't also be in the lobby. But I appreciate you listening to the show, your efforts to catch up, and uh, that you cared enough to email. Thanks so much. All right, well, now it's time. Oh, wait, before we uh, actually switch, uh, another thing that they did mention is that um, they were taking Monday through Thursday of the next week off for the Republican convention. That wasn't an endorsement of uh, President Eisenhower's uh, re-election bid or anything. It was just that people did watch the major political conventions. Well, partially it was because some interesting things could happen there, the way they're arranged. Now, they tend to be much more infomercialish, which I think is why they don't get uh, the same degree of audience. But that will lead to a six-part uh, serial next week, which means we won't have a second show on uh, Friday uh, next week. But we do this week, so let's go ahead and take a listen 
to today's episode of Manhunt, and there were four lost episodes between this episode, between last week's episode and this one. This one comes from January 8th of 1944, and this is The Clue of the Solid of the Red Thread. Manhunt. The Clue of the Red Thread that led to Manhunt. No crime has been committed yet. No murder has been done yet. No manhunt has begun yet. Getting ready to take a bath, Mike? Duke! Honest, Duke, I wasn't going to testify against you. I only told that to the cops to get them to go easy on me. You ain't going to testify, Mike. I'm going to make sure of that. What are you going to do, Duke? I'm going to see that you get your bath, Mike. Only first, I'm going to bang your head against the tub like you had an accident. Y- you can't do that. They'll know it's you, Duke. They'll pin it on you for sure. Not the way I got it figured out. Your number's up, Mike. Right? Ow. <laughs> You've got it figured out. It looked like an accident. Haven't you, Duke? All figured out. Who will discover it wasn't an accident? Who will know it was cold-blooded murder? Who will start the manhunt? Manhunt and the clue of the red thread. Very good reason. At your service, Sergeant. At your service, Sergeant, he says. Listen, Drew. You don't like it here in your laboratory at headquarters, do you? You're always snooping around murder cases, you and your secretary, aren't you? Well, you know why that is, Bill. Sometimes I can pick up things at the scene of a crime that can trace a murderer. And he's done it, too, Bill. And he's done it, too, Bill, she says. Sure he has. But there is such a thing as just a plain, everyday, accidental death, see? That's why I sent for you. To show you one. Come with me. Okay. Where are we going? I'll tell you on the way. Just a couple of blocks from here. Ready? I'm ready. Who asked you? You ready, Drew? Yes, yeah, sure. But I don't get it. I'll explain that, too. Come on. I see a guy was getting ready to take a bath. He slipped on a hunk of soap, banged his head on the tub, and slipped into the water unconscious. He drowned. Get that? Yes, of course. Okay. He fell in his bathtub. Right. I'm going to prove to you two that this is one death that had to be accidental. It couldn't have been murder. Huh? Anything been touched, Bill? Anything been touched, he says. No, nothing. Come on, get in the car. Slide in, Pat. Okay. I'll get in the other way. Go ahead, Drew. Check. Crowded, Pat? I'll let you know better when Bill gets in. Oh, Bill, then. Well, anyhow, that's the picture. The guy dead in the top. Death by drowning, the doc says. A lump on his forehead and a piece of soap that caused it all on the floor. Uh-huh. Who was he, Bill? I knew you'd get around to that. His name was Mike Mallory. Oh, the fellow was going to testify against Duke Britton? Oh, I bet Duke bumped him off to shut him up. I knew one of you would pop out with that. Now listen. 
Mike lived in a boarding house next block from here. If he had opened his mouth to yell, a dozen people would have heard him. Did they? Did they, she says. No, nobody heard him. Because he didn't yell, that's why. Because he wasn't murdered. What makes you so sure it was accidental, Bill? I know it was an accident, see? That's why I brought you here. To show you that just because a suspicious guy gets knocked off doesn't mean it was murder. Catch on? Here we are. Come on, hop out. This is it, huh? I'll help you, Pat. May I have your hand? Oh, Drew, this is so sudden. How did you, too? Tell me, what makes you so sure it was an accident, Bill? You still haven't told me. Okay. You see, the bathtub overflowed, and the water started trickling through from under the door. Mm-hmm. A woman saw it, tried the door, and she found it locked. Somebody could have killed Mike Mallory and then locked him in. Come on. I'll show you why it couldn't be that way. Oh, hi, Murphy. Here is Sergeant Morton. Bathroom straight ahead, sir. Yes, thanks. Now, there's the bathroom door. Busted in, see? Cop did that when the woman screamed. The key is still in the lock on the inside, see? And the lock is still turned. But what's more, look up here. See this hook? Got those in a lot of old-style bathroom doors. I've seen them on screen doors, too. Seen them on screen doors, she says. Who cares? Anyway, you know how they work. You close the door, then drop the hook through the eye that fits it. But you've got to do it from the inside, see? I suppose so. All right. So when the cop breaks in, he finds the hook dangling from the door, still through the eye. When he busted the door in, he tore the eye part from the wood. Now look for yourself. I am looking. Yes, that's right, all right. I'd be willing to bet the hook was in its place and the lock turned when the cop broke the door in. All right, that's all I got to tell you. Except nobody living could get through that little window up there. Now, seeing that nobody could have been in here to kill Mallory, are you convinced it was an accident? I am. Well, I probably am, too, but it's an awful coincidence that this has to happen just before Duke Britton's trial. Coincidence, he says. So it was a coincidence. Who cares? Are you convinced is what I want to know. Well, to tell you the truth, Bill, I'm not. Hmm. What's this? These little ashes on the floor. Who knows? So Mike was smoking before he slipped. What's the difference? I don't know. Just put these ashes in this envelope and take a look at them at the last. There. What are you smiling about, Drew? Nothing. Just thinking. Wouldn't it be funny if because of these ashes, Duke Britton burned in the electric chair? You had your eye in that microscope for an hour. I'm getting a little tired of sitting here watching you. Patience, my dear. You're certainly trying mine. Have you or haven't you found out anything? I found out something, but I don't know what it means yet. I know it made the ash we found in that bathroom. Is it a secret? No. It was a piece of red thread. Oh. Look, I'm going up to see Duke Britton. Am I going? Yes, you're going. Oh. Stay here. Oh. Duke's tough, Pat. No kidding. He'd just as soon kill you as kiss you. Who? Who's scared? (laughs) You are, baby. That's right. Drew, take care of yourself when you're tracing that red thread, will you? I will, Pat. And I've got a hunch that Duke Britton's life is hanging by that same thread. Homicide? No, but I'm on the Mike Mallory case. Too bad about his accident. Yeah. Yeah, I know how you mean that. Too bad. All right, so I'm not sorry. 
I came to see you, Duke, about a piece of bread. A what? Piece of bread. Red bread. Would you know anything about a piece of red bread? Of course not. What am I, a tailor? No. No, you're a murderer, Duke, and I'm going to prove it. You left fingerprints on the thread you burned. I couldn't have. They were burned with the thread. Uh-oh. Don't move, Copper. Hmm? I think this is a trick, but i got to be sure. You want to be a little careful with that gun, Duke. I'm not going to bump you yet. Got to find out if what you say is possible first. If it ain't, I'll come back and apologize. If it is, you can bring back burned fingerprints. I'm going to let you have it. What I'm supposed to hope is that I'm mistaken, is that it? Be awful good for you if you are. Put your hands in the back of that chair. I got to tie you up. Got some ropes somewhere here. There we are. Round your hands in the back of this chair. You know, you really don't have to bother, Duke. I'll wait here till you get back. Yeah, I know. Now, your feet. I'll tell you now, it's no use trying that movie trick you get into the phone unless you think you can dial it with your nose. On second thought, this gag won't be a bad idea. Just stick the phone in this drawer. There. Don't go away, will you now? I'll be back in 15 minutes. So long. I'll have a gag out in a second. Oh, I'm so nervous. I'm shaking like a leaf. There. All right, now, get to work on my hands. Uh-huh. Why you tell me what you're doing here, Pat? I wanted to beat you out on the case just once. I got here just before you did and hid behind the drape. Uh-huh. Oh, it's not so toughy. There. That's got it. Okay. I'll get my legs out myself. There. Well, what now? Uh-huh. I'm glad this is only a one-room apartment. Pat, we've got about 12 minutes to turn this joint inside out. And if we're lucky, we're going to find a little spool of bright red thread. All right, so I brought Duke Griffin with me and we're back in the bathroom. This is the cleanest case. I'm going to show you how he murdered Mike Mallory, Bill. Yes, we sure are. Well, that's right, Bill. Without Pat, I couldn't have done it. Much obliged, lady. Listen, Morton, both of them are nuts. Shut up, Duke. Go ahead, Drew. Okay, Bill. Here's what happened in here. Yeah? Duke hit Mallory's head against the bathtub, mm-hmm. threw a piece of soap on the floor, and tossed Mike's body in the tub. Then he tied a piece of thread around the hook on the door, like I'm doing now, passed it through the eye hole, like this, then pulled the thread under the door and went out. Right, now, come on out, everybody. Okay, but I don't know what this is all about. All right, now look. Then he closed the door. Now he was all set. He took these very thin pliers, like the ones they use on a piano to get narrow spaces. My pliers, he has to use. Yes, they're yours. I found them in your apartment. Wasn't I lucky? Yeah, you ought to play cribbage. Cribbage, he says. Come on, Drew, you're going to show us. The key is on the inside of the door right now. Right. It was then Duke inserted the pliers in the keyhole from the outside like this. And turn the key. Simple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now about the thread I tied around the hook when we were all in the bathroom. You'll notice it leads under the door. Now I'm going to bend down and gently pull it. There. Now listen. Hear that? The hook has been guided into place right in the hole in which it belongs. Yeah, but we didn't find a thread tied around the hook. And if Duke had yanked on it to break it off afterward, the knot would have stayed on, Drew. Yeah, sure it would. But he didn't break it off. This is what he did. 
I'm going to light this match and apply it to the bottom of the thread. And the flame, which we can't see anymore, is traveling right up the inside of the bathroom door and is destroying the thread. But it is leaving an ash on the floor. Right. That's how I was able to reconstruct the whole case. And that ash, and later from the spool of red thread I found in your apartment, Duke. And oh, by the way, there's no way to bring back fingerprints on a burnt thread. Now he tells me. Come on, Duke. They drew. I'm so ashamed I insisted that the Mallory death was accidental. I could kill myself. Only I'm afraid if I did, you'd find some way of proving somebody murdered me. Welcome back. Well, uh, the uh, execution of the uh, murder and the solution to the case was actually pretty clever. This one having much more of a how catch em, uh, feel rather than a whodunit, since we're told from the beginning that Duke did it. I do feel a little bit for uh, Sergeant Morton, because the setup for this episode was really odd. With Sergeant Morton taking uh, Drew Stevens, a police scientist, to the scene of the crime in order to prove to Stevens that occasionally people died by accident. Unless we miss something in one of the lost episodes, Stevens never gave a great principle that every single death was a result of foul play. So apparently Sergeant Morton, a little desperate to be right. So he built up a straw man so that he could argue in favor of something that's just complete common sense. And he still can't quite prove himself right. I fear the good sergeant might need a vacation. But seriously, good episode. And uh, uh, Manhunt will return in two weeks. And of course, Johnny Dollar starts again on Monday. Before we do go, I want to encourage you to support our listener support campaign. Among the uh, thank you gifts we have available, we have um, some uh, Columbo and Monk DVDs available for listeners in the U.S. and Canada, including season one of Columbo, any season of Monk, or complete series of both Monk and Columbo. Monk Season 1 available for a donation of $75 or more. Columbo Season 1 available for a donation of $100 or more. And uh, and also complete series information. You can view all available options at support.greatdetectives.net. And a couple other quick uh, listener comments and feedback. Just a simple great podcast from uh, Carrie on Podcast Alley. And uh, also uh, received a review on uh, iTunes. Uh, this one from uh, GB Russ says, "Well worth the small donate uh, regarding the app. Well worth the small donation to Adam. Well organized and always a pleasure to hear Adam's commentary." All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we will see you back here Monday for our, uh, Johnny Dollar. Two weeks from today for Manhunt, and uh, join us tomorrow for the lineup. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter or Radio Detectives. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.